Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony, how are we? I'm really well, how are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little, no, it's fine. No, fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 136 of the Corona Diaries. Bye! Hang on a minute, things are going beep. Uh, Oh shit, and burp. (laughs) Beep and burp? (laughs) Uh, right. I bur- are you I, are you are you there? Are you still with us? I burped just as I said beep. Oh, um, okay. Hang on a bit. I'm just Is quitting me- all my messages, or they'll go beep beep. Oh, I oh, thought it was a metronome. No, no, no. Well, it might be at your end. No, no I don't know that. what's your end. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just carry on talking and I'll oh, just... Well, when, when you're ready, what we'll do is we'll start again, but we'll probably leave all this in because this is the reality of, of TCD. Fans. I'm ready now. Ready. Let's start, let's start again then. Let's right. Are you ready to... Are you centred? Yeah. Lovely. Something in your eye? Yeah. Not, But no, nothing that's not supposed to be there. Right, okay, okay. Three, two, one... Hello and welcome to the... That's the wrong thing, isn't it? I should have put the chapter in. Let's try again. Number three. Take three, folks. Hello and welcome to chapter 136 of the Corona Diaries. Well, I thought that was wonderful. Yes, I think the third one definitely was the best. Yes. Pure class. I think so. I think so. Lovely. That's the best we've ever done. A minute and 35 seconds, literally, to get the title out of the way. Well, happy days. Happy days, happy days. Your 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 views slightly different this morning. You were just telling me <laughs> that you've you've been you've had the vacuum out, haven't you? I have. Uh, my world view has remained the same, but my view of the world has changed a little bit. Um, I the the lovely Louis Jardim, who people either adore or occasionally really can't stand <laughs> for reasons unknown. In fact, I know why they can't stand him. It's because they've seen him on Portugal's Got Talent or whatever, where he's a, a judge and occasionally people come on and, and are, are crap and he says so. So he's, I think he kind of um, fulfills and occupies that um, Simon Cowell role on Portuguese TV, which means he's fairly universally despised and gets death threats. <laughs> Hang but, on a minute, hang but, on a minute. We've had Lewis on here and we've talked about him loads. We've never, ever mentioned the fact he was a judge on Portugal's Got Talent. Oh, did I not mention that? No. Oh, he's a massive star in Portugal because he was, he, 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 did, he was a judge on Portugal's Got Talent. He may, he may still to this day be a judge on Portugal's Got Talent or X Factor or, you know, whatever the, whatever it's called. Um, and... Um, yeah, so so he says he he did occasionally get irate mothers uh, turning up in the reception of the TV studio, armed and threatening to kill him because he'd said their sons or daughters were shit. <laughs> 
So, If I was going to have to be told I was shit by anybody, I think I'd want it to be Lewis telling me. <laughs> well, you know, I think if he did, he, you could be assured of two things. A, he wouldn't be lying. And B, his, you know, his, his standards are probably very high and try not to take it too much to heart. I mean, he has worked with with, um, with them all, darling. Mm. But um, then if he did tell you that, there'd be a little chime of, of, you know, of percussion in the background that would fit the mood beautifully, wouldn't there? <laughs> yes. Yes, the, the percussion of a, uh, a hammer hitting a bullet inside a revolver, <laughs> probably. Um, but... Um, Yes, I've had a change around because the lovely Lewis Jardim, and take it from me, is, and, and I think Ant will concur. I will concur. Uh, it gave my son a drum kit, um, a brand new one that he just happened to have kicking around <laughs> somewhere. And that arrived while I was in Warsaw last weekend. A, a brand new Yamaha drum kit arrived, complete with cymbals and hi hats and everything from uh, from Lewis. Uh, because he'd seen Vibes playing Ian's kit in Utrecht and and was sufficiently impressed. And said, has he got a drum kit? I said, well, no, he's got an electronic one, but he hasn't got a real one. He plays a real one at school. Oh, he says, I have a drum kit. I'll send him, I'll send him something. So he has, bless his heart. And uh, I don't know how I can repay him, really. But I'll, I'll think of something, hopefully, long term. Um, can't even buy him a drink because he's not allowed to drink because he had a health scare and now he can't drink or he, he things happen to him his feet blow up or something I mean they don't explode they just no <laughs> but if they did they'd do it in time wouldn't they they'd, they'd do it at exactly the right moment did I tell you he told me about <laughs> on the end of one of the Frankie goes to Hollywood songs uh there's this enormous explosion and it's 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 uh a ton of crockery being dropped into a bathtub into um uh, and it's something trevor decided to try and and he's and lewis said i'm really frightened of heights and he's got me up on this massive stepladder um with this box full of crockery um, and he's counting me in, so I can tip this into this into this tin bath, right on the downbeat at the end of the track. He said, which was you know physically impossible because <laughs> it takes it takes a couple of seconds to fall from that height into the bath. Um, and we did apparently they did several takes. They had to keep going up this step ladder with a new box of crockery. Um, where did that come from? I just, just a, another another Trevor Horn story that he told me, um, and I said, "Well, why didn't he just record it and then, you know, stick it on the downbeat himself?" He said, "Well, he he wanted it to be real." So um, anyway, it, I think he it was still real if it was recorded. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> who can say? Who can who can argue with Trevor? That's what Trevor wants. <laughs> Yes, not That's me. That's what Trevor wants. I'm not, I don't think anybody's going to argue with Trevor. No one who's met him would argue with him, I don't think. 
No, <laughs> apart from Lewis, at which point he's saying, just get me off this fucking ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he had him doing some things. He told me so many stories. Oh. But anyway, well, that's the lovely Lewis. So you've had to you've had to have a rejig to get. I've this had drum to have kit. a rejig because this is the only room in the house the drum kit can go in because it's for, it's at the furthest point away from the neighbours. Because as anyone who's been anywhere near a drum kit uh, will attest, they're bloody loud, and uh, so we'd got to get him away from the lady next door, who's been very reasonable actually so far about it. Um, Partly because I think she's deaf, which is helped. Oh, that's, that's a great helped neighbor. no end. Um, so um, we have to put up with her television being very loud, uh, which doesn't bother me in the least because I'm deaf and I don't hear it. <laughs> Bothers Lynetta a bit. Oh, we've got to have Lynetta on. We'll have her on soon. We'll have. Lynetta oh, I thought we on. absolutely should. Yeah, we absolutely she should. Could, she yeah. can. Give the, uh, the 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 people the uh, a perspective on on what I'm like to live with. <laughs> perspective sounds a very civilized version of what she's going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mosley sent me this great this great YouTube uh, clip. Was it YouTube? I think it's on YouTube, and it's it, everybody should search for it. Uh, oh, I think it was on Facebook, but but everyone should search for it. And it's a guy playing uh, an ACDC song with an acoustic guitar whilst wearing, you know, the kind of thing that goes over your head when you've got a suit of armour on. Yes, he's, yes. He's yeah. wearing that and his wife is hitting him with a frying pan on the downbeats. <laughs> Sideways. So he's got chainmail on. No, he's just got the hat on. Just got the hat. And she's whacking him so hard. And in the end, she just knocks him over. It's fantastic and very funny. Right, okay. So I'll search for that. For I'll yes. put a, we'll put a link up. We'll put a link but... on. We'll find that and put a link on. Right. <laughs> um, before we go any further, I've got, I've got a few bits today. And today could very well get out of hand. Uh, could very well get out of hand. Yeah, um, we'll yeah. come back to your hoovering in, in one second. Oh, yeah, but before, yeah. before I forget, um, if you're a purple, when you get to the end of the croon cast, don't switch off. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. If you're a purple, when we get to the end of the croon cast, don't switch off. Don't in fact, switch. not the end of the croon cast, the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. End of the credits, don't switch off if you're a purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not a purple, when you come to that point, just... Breathe out and enjoy as you know, and you know. But if you're a purple, don't switch off. Right, we'll come back to that in a bit. Um, mm. So anyway, uh, drum kit's in. You've been hoovering the room. Lady next door's deaf. Yes. Um, but you you were saying it was long overdue. It was because my room is so kind of cluttered with bits of shit and wires and old hard drives and um, there's you know books. Books, 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 books that I haven't read. Um, DVDs, CDs, and CDRs, I don't even know what's on. And various random shit that it's a very difficult room to dust um, and therefore hadn't been dusted for a very long time. Uh, Or hoovered, because it's very hard to see the floor. So 
moving everything around gave me an opportunity for um, a lot of hoovering yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm clean and serene, but I'm definitely cleaner and serener. Right. Because actually yesterday you were should have been taking a bit of downtime because you just got back from Warsaw and you're about to go to Germany, aren't you? be great if you had a cleaner called Serena, wouldn't it? Serena the cleaner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just about to go to Germany on um, Thursday um, this week and I'm playing in Bonn on Friday. Um, I'm languishing in a hotel room on Saturday watching the England-France game. And then Sunday I'm in Bochum. And don't ask me where Bochum is because I've no clue. And uh, no doubt I'll go there and leave and still won't know where it is. Um, And then Hamburg on um, Monday next which everybody has to come to because apparent because the the promoter in a in a fit of madness has put me in an enormous building and uh, you know it's only it's only half full so please get on a plane and come to Hamburg I'll uh, I'll pay the fare you know obviously right well um, I'll, I'll see you in Hamburg then. <laughs> <laughs> There if that's goes, what's going down. There goes me fee. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, Hamburg might be a bit, um, what's the word? Sparse? Yes, sparse, because it's a 2,000-seater. And uh, I I normally, you know, I mean, even in Oxford, which tends to sell out in a fortnight in the middle of June, I think, you know, were it big enough, I could probably pull six or 700, but, but a couple of thousand is... Um, optimistic for, that's a big uh, number in tip for for me and a piano yeah um but maybe you can curtain it off and it'll all look nice it'll be fantastic and and actually i saw you sent me a couple of photos from warsaw that josh had uh taken and they look mm. great yeah josh josh's pictures were lovely weren't they yeah. and made me feel more than just a little guilty at not having introduced myself to the the lighting man because he never introduced himself to me and I was busy. And then at the end of the evening it was chaos because I was doing the, the the photographs and the and the autographs and all of that and never actually at any point even said hello to him and he did a fantastic job. So uh, I, I, will, I will drop an email and see if they can forward it just to thank him because I thought mm. the lights looked great. Oh, they did. Those pictures, the lights look beautiful. Mm. The black and white one you sent me, um, with you kind of bending forward, had a proper Takata and Fugue look about it. Yes, I don't know if that was... I mean, it was probably a combination of, of just the moment in time and the smoke and, and Josh using the right... whatever it is you use if, when you're taking photographs. <laughs> the right, you know, ASA... <laughs> yeah, he did something very well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Whatever you did, Josh, it was brilliant. Yes, it had that look of um, infrared about it. Though he did actually but... message me the other day because he was listening to One Three Five very early in the morning on the way over to Warsaw, and he and he and he messaged me to say, "It sounds like it's running five percent fast." And yeah. I th- and I, at which point I didn't know what to do then because I thought, well, I don't know how I would make it five percent fast anyway. And I listened back and thought, it sounds fine to me. 
Um, so, Josh, I think it might have been the time of the morning you were listening. Yeah, um, I think you were five percent slow, mate. That was the yeah. problem. Yeah. Then yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, before we get on to what we're going to get on to, and there is a little bit of a planter today. Um, mm. We've had mm. a we've had a message. Uh, we've had a message from Steve Evans, right? And Steve Evans promotes speedway motorcycle racing in the US. Oh. Okay. Mm. Right. Uh, and we ought to talk about Speedway. Actually, we'll come to we'll come back to Speedway. Uh, but he promotes Speedway motorcycle racing in the US, and he reckons your version of Star Spangled Banner is the best version he's ever heard. And he's lived in America for about twenty five years. So let's face it, he'll have heard a few. Yeah, twenty five years in the US. Uh, and he's asked if he could use it um, to open up one of their Speedway events. And I was going to say to you, there's no reason why. It'd need the file, obviously, but there's no reason why you can't do that, is there? None whatsoever. No, I'd be, um, I'd be delighted. I mean, it, it's a little bit kind of honest and reflective for Speedway. For Speedway racing. <laughs> <laughs> Just before. <laughs> I would imagine, I've imagined a bit of ACDC or yeah. Motorhead, but, uh, yeah. but me, me heart-feelingly heart, heart crooning. I mean, if that lights his lights, I'd be delighted. Before, before you know, 15 motorbikes hurtle into the first <laughs> corner at the fastest possible speed they can get to, I think it's exactly what you need. Yes, yes. A lot of mud in Speedway. Mm. Um, I went to Speedway when I was young. Somebody took me. I, I think a friend of my dad's was into it, and uh, I was taken to to a speedway track somewhere near Donny and and watched it all you know lot of mud. Well, I was going to. That's what I was going to say because I seem to recall when we were kids, speedway was a bit like wrestling. It was often on the telly, Saturday midday, or it was part of World of Sport. I seem to recall. Right, they're always just going round sideways, aren't they? They are covered they in are. mud with with one leg out. Um. You'd have that porn legend, Dickie Davis, and then you'd have a bit of Speedway, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah, well, I went and saw it, and it's it's pretty sensational. And, of course, anyone who races motorbikes is properly insane for a kickoff, um, no matter how they do it, you know, with, in, in mud or not. I mean, it's an, that's another world of, of nutterdom, really, isn't it, that? Um, um, in fact, our, our Jill's husband, Richard, used to race motorbikes. Um, and I can attest that he's got a screw loose. Mm. So, so there we are. When when we were, for those of us who are similar sort of age, um, you had Grandstand and you had World of Sport on ITV. And World of Sport used to have things like Speedway. It would have Greyhound racing. It would have... Um, Ski Sunday. Ski Sunday, yeah. yes. With the out of tune organ, used to yeah. make me go crazy. Had the uh, had the strings that went, and then next to them was an organ going, that wasn't in tune with the strings. And I and I used to sit there every week going, that organ's not in tune with those strings. And my mother would go, yes, I know. You told me last week. Um, used to drive it to make me feel slightly ill. Ski Sunday theme tune for the Croomcast, maybe? <laughs> I'll see if I can detune an organ sufficiently. I'll see if I can detune <laughs> my organ. 
That's a title for an episode, if ever we needed one. Anyway, anyway, so the plan for today, the plan for today, bear in mind you're in the middle of a little winter tour. The diary is taking us on a winter tour, isn't it? Because we're in November and we start in a little bit of... We, we, you did Sweden, uh, but the Sweden was in the summer. It's a fear in the summer, I think. But we've now hit November and you're doing this little bit of a winter tour. And I think you're going to start off in Helsinki. I think you are. Yes. I think this was the Less Is More tour, actually. The right. Swedish Swedish gig was Sweden Rock, so that was, you know, full on balls out or, or as balls out as we ever get, which is basically balls in. Um <laughs> But um, I've this... got a story about that, but I don't know whether it's right for the podcast. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> I don't want to hear about what happened. It wasn't me. What's going it on with your me. testicles, Anthony? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> but, yeah, it was less is more. I think it was less is more. I seem to. In fact, it was definitely less is more because we went to Tallinn and played uh, played all of, played all of that acoustically. Um, so yes, it was it was the Lesses More tour. I went off to Helsinki and uh, was having a pee in the airport when I discovered I'd bought a house. Right. Well, hold that thought because mm. we're going to go to the first bit of the diary reading. We're going to split the diary reading up into two today. So we do a bit of Helsinki, bit of chat, bit of Tallinn, bit of chat, finish off. So it's one of those episodes today. So hold that thought about you having a pee. Literally. Right. And notice I said I said thought. Hold and it. let's go. Yeah. Go to a bit of diary. Okay, here it comes. Thursday, 5th of November. Home, Helsinki. Got up at 6.30, finished packing and tidied up just in case we have to sell the house while we're away. More of that later. Left home, drove to Heathrow Terminal 3 where Elle dropped me off. She's parking the car at T5 and flying to Copenhagen with little vibes. She gets back in ten days or so, just before me. Checked in and threw security with Frenchie. Bought a bag in Dixon's for the audio interface. Laptop to stage, I won't bore you. And bumped into Eric Nielsen, our old web designer, who was on his way to Halifax, Nova Scotia, to a conference. He's now working for Elton John, no less. At the gate, I said hi to the boys, all in good form. The band has agreed to lend me a hundred grand for a couple of months while I sell my house. The house Lynetta and I have had our eye on has come up for sale. It's a wreck, but it's in a perfect location on a village green and has massive potential. There's been enormous interest in it and sealed bids are invited by midday today. We emailed one before we left the house, but I'm not hopeful. The flight to Helsinki passed without incident until the landing when we pitched and rolled in the sidewind and landed on a snow-covered runway. The plane slewed sideways somewhat, and despite not being a nervous flyer, I must admit that lately I'm becoming a nervous lander and taker-offer. We made our way through the airport to the baggage carousels, and I went down a couple of staircases into the basement in search of a loo. As I stood at the urinal, my phone rang. 
It said Bob Builder on the screen, so I assumed it was our builder, Bob, calling to give me his bank details so that I could pay him for some recent work. On the third attempt to answer the phone, I was peeing at the time, I said, Hello, Bob. It wasn't him. Uh, hello, this is Roger from McIntyre's. Is that Mr Hogarth? I'm about to make your day. Your bid on the house was successful. Bloody hell. I thanked him, said I'd be in touch, and turned my attention to finishing peeing and leaving the urinal. When I emerged into the baggage hall, the bags were up and loaded and the band were already climbing into two minibuses standing outside in the snow. The Moby wasn't working too well, but I managed to get hold of Lynetta and give her the good news. Phew, looks like we're buying a house. Buying a wreck, actually. It should be an interesting few months ahead. We drove into Helsinki and checked into the Hotel Il Presidente. I invited band and crew to join me in the bar to celebrate my, our good, ill fortune. And at 6pm we had a beer and I contemplated colossal debt and building work. Later I went out with the crew and Ian to a burger place where I had a sort of pork thing, which wasn't bad and wasn't good either. I also ordered a mojito, which fitted the same description. This being a night off, we thought we'd go and check out tomorrow night's venue, the Club Tavastia. It's a rock club, quite goth and black inside, not ideally suited to what we're doing on this tour, which has been, for the most part, more of a theatre gig. Didn't stay long and returned to the hotel, only a ten minute walk. Watched a bit of TV and went to bed. It's been a long and eventful day. Friday, 6th of November. Helsinki, Tavastia Club. Woken around 7am, that's 5am in England, by hammer drilling and hammering coming through my bedroom wall. Lovely. I've stayed in hotels in many, many cities around the world over the years, and there has been dawn building work going on in about half of them. I really could have done with a lie-in. It's tough to get a good night's sleep with a 16-month-old baby, and I've been looking forward to the chance. Nope. I drifted in and out of sleep in between the buzzing and the banging until nine, when I gave up and went down to breakfast. I poured myself a bowl of muesli and some coffee and chatted to Phil Brown for a while. Phil always seems to be in the breakfast room, before returning to my room to begin looking for a surveyor who can examine the house we've almost bought. I spent the morning online tracking down window manufacturers, it needs new windows, builders, loan arrangers, etc. and then changed rooms to one higher up and on another side of the hotel, in the hope of escaping tomorrow's dawn hammer drills. At 2pm, we had arranged to meet up in reception to make a short Merry Christmas video announcement. There was a big bronze moose opposite the hotel, so we trudged across the road and got into position. Unfortunately, there was too much traffic noise, so we postponed the idea until tomorrow, when we'll try again on the ferry to Tallinn. Mid-afternoon, I went over to the gig to plug the laptop into the PA through the new audio interface. At the gig, chaos prevailed. We're using a lot of hired equipment and house equipment. This means stuff that the venue owns and supplies. 
Unfortunately, unless you're lucky, the house gear is poorly maintained and more often than not fairly knackered and the crew and the band have to work out which bits work and which bits don't through a process of trial and error. This is very time-consuming for all concerned, and so these gigs take ages to come together, and, as I've often said before, it's not uncommon for the sound checks to be longer than the shows. The show was clunky, but had a really good spirit. Piano trouble, the hired Yamaha P300 isn't responding properly to touch, and it goes from quiet to silly loud if I'm remotely expressive. Murder to play. Spoke briefly afterwards to a few people hanging about. They all seemed really happy. Walked back to the hotel and got lost, wheeling my computer bag behind me in the slush. I eventually found someone who gave me directions and made it back. I was only a block out. Stayed up too late watching TV and slept fitfully in between anxiety about house buying. And, oh, and we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That wasn't one of our best efforts, was it? It wasn't one of my best efforts. I'm struggling with intros and things today. No, I'm digging them. I think they've they've got a, uh, smacks of of honesty. uh, Ah, smacks of honesty. Smacks of honesty. Another Um, obscure breakfast cereal. (laughs) Um... So, the house then. The house you're currently sat in. Yes, the house I'm currently sat in. Uh, we Is the house you're referring to? Yeah, it was a complete wreck. and uh, But it was in a really lovely place. And it still is. It hasn't moved. Uh, yeah. We did just about everything except move it uh, after we bought it. Um, we kept the front door. And one of the and the fire surround in the kitchen, and everything else was replaced. And I do mean everything. Oh, except the roof. We kept the front door, the roof, and the and the fire surround. I mean, you could argue and the wall and the walls. We, obviously, you could you argue that we kept the walls. Although we did, we yeah. did repoint the whole lot. Um, so the walls did did get a lot of attention. Um. So it was a major, major building project, but we were for, fortunate in 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 that we'd we discovered this builder called Bob the Builder, who who'd done a few bits of work for us already in Brackley, and he was really good. You know, he didn't take the Mickey with the money. He really knew what he was doing. He was great, and he used to say things to me like. And I'd say, you know, what if, what if it fell down, Bob? You know, what, what, what if while you're hammering? Because sometimes he'd be he'd be hammering something with a sledgehammer, and I'd go, well, what if, what if it falls down? And he'd go, well, I'll just build it again. And you think, wow, must be great being a builder and having options like that. <laughs> if your house falls down, it, it does to me. That feels like a major disaster. But Bob would just see it as a, a slight extension to the project. Um, but anyway, Bob was great. 
And then I think it was my sister Sue who was staying with us down in Brackley and went out for a little walk and came back and said, oh, there's a house for sale. That, that You know, it's a wreck and you should buy it. Um, and we both said, that be ridiculous. And then we and she said, no, seriously, you should, you should buy it. Um, and she sort of helped to make it happen as well because she's a conveyancing lawyer. Uh, and those are onions. And um, so we we set about selling our house in Brackley. We needed to sell it in a fortnight and have it done, you know, and, you know, it, it was really, really ur- urgent and chaotic. Um, but first of all, we put a bid in on this house because it was a, a sealed bid. Um Never imagining in, at all that we would win the bid because it was a property developer's dream, this house, because it's in such a great spot. So all it needed was, you know, 100 grand spending on it and then almost an immediate profit profit of another 150 off the back of that. Um, were you to do it up and just sell it on? Maybe more, maybe you'd have made more. Um but we didn't want to do that, you know. We wanted to live here because we we we'd been to this village a number of times and gazed across from the pub at this house, and and said, you know, I wonder who lives there. You know, what's the story with that with that house? It's completely dilapidated and wrecked. And uh, I think on one occasion, Lynette had even gone in the in the in the village shop and said. You know, what's the story with that house over there? And uh, the lady around the shop told t- told her that there was an old fella that had lived here all his life, and he was he, he was still here, and he only lived. I think he only lived downstairs, and he was becoming increasingly infirm. And of course, at the end, uh, his family decided that, that they'd move him into a, a home because he couldn't cope, and. Uh, they sold his house to pay for his care. Um, so it went on the market. They moved the old fella out, and um, we, you know, I, I flew to Helsinki, um, and Lynetta flew to Copenhagen on the same day, and I landed in Helsinki, went for a pee, and my phone rang, and the, it was the estate agent saying, I'd. You know, we'd, we, he said, I'm about to make your day. You've won the sealed bid. Well, my initial reaction was, oh, Christ, you know, uh, how the hell are we going to pay for that? Um, so instead of being delighted, I was, you know, I was full of trepidation because it was, A, where are we finding the money? B, how can we sell our house, the one we're living in at the moment, in no time at all? And C, you know, I've, what on earth have we bitten off um, because it was a major refurbishment? And where are we going to live while it's going on? Because we can't live there because it's going to have to be completely gutted. Um, so all of that, a urinal in Helsinki Airport was flying around in my brain. Um, the band then got into a minibus to go into Helsinki and during that minibus ride, I said to the band, this may sound like a bit of a request, but you can't lend me a hundred grand, can you? Um, in case I can't sell my house. 
to buy this other house. And they all went, well, don't see why not. <laughs> Which was very sweet of them. <laughs> and in the end, we we sold the house in Brackley incredibly quickly to Mr. Jason Fairylove, who you know all about, the man who made the yes. fairy wings. He appeared, <laughs> promptly bought the house. And um, so I didn't need to borrow the money from the band then. Didn't need the hundred grand. So, so the, but it, it's lovely that they offered. And and we refurbished this house, and here I am sitting in it and uh, gazing out over the village green. I love this house. Well, it's a it's a special house. It's really nice. Yes, thank um, you. It is, and it's a spe- it's a special place. Um, I would I would concur. Um, and if you've got to move south, you know, if you ha- if you have to find yourself in the south, then that's as good a place <laughs> as any. Um, I think it's lovely that the band is offering bridging loan services. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's really special. Yeah, I think um, I like the. I think Mark like borrowed something can- at some point when he was when he was house hunting recently. I think he he bor- borrowed some colossal sum of money. I don't know if we ever got it back. To be honest. <laughs> Ian probably knows. Oh, we should have known that before Mark was on. I could have asked that. <laughs> have you paid the band that money back yet? <laughs> he probably hasn't. We probably we we've probably provided with a mortgage, let alone a bridging loan. <laughs> I just think that's. Do you know what? That's so special. <laughs> and and actually, and the, th- the the crazy thing is the way I feel about the Merlin family. Um, that. A, that doesn't surprise me. And B, if you turned around and said, oh, we've actually, you know, we lent, we lent Frenchie this so he could do this or this has happened so that could happen or whatever it might be. I don't know why I'm picking Frenchie out, but you know what I mean. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. In that whole family vibe, you know, it just wouldn't surprise me in the in, in the slightest. So I think that's really nice. Um, it is a bit like Going that. back, I'll use Jingle Bells when you told everybody yet again where you live. Oh, okay. Have I told everybody where I live? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shall we go to the other bit of um because the rest of the time in Helsinki it's uh it's 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 a fairly run of the mill diary entry isn't it, it really it's the house that was the big thing It is yeah the, the the I was a bit I was probably so consumed with the with um, the inner hysteria of of trying to pull everything together um that there's no wonder I didn't mention much about the gig I think it was a really good one, but it was in a little black rock club, and which wasn't really quite right for the Less Is More tour, but it went down well. Um, I don't think the Finnish crowd were quite as drunk as they were for the Brave show, which which which, which was they during which they were legendarily drunk. Um, and and then we yes we took a ferry to Tallinn. Um, to Estonia um, for what was to be a, re- a really lovely two, couple of days. I think there was a day off wandering around a medieval part of the town and then and then the show at the Nokia Theatre, which, which I, I hold dear in my heart. Saturday, 7th of November, Helsinki to Tallinn. 
woke up at a much more civilised time than yesterday, 9.45 no less, and went to breakfast to discover about 300 people in the breakfast room. Busy hotel this. Had a bowl of muesli with Rothers and returned to my room where I seriously considered going back to bed, but was embroiled once again in email to estate agents, etc. We checked out of the hotel at 1pm and were taken by cab to the docks, where we boarded the ferry to Tallinn. Crossing the Baltic by ferry, I couldn't help but think of my chance encounter with Paul Barney, the only British survivor of the Estonia ferry disaster, on September the 20th, 1994. Let's hope this one stays afloat. Rothers had given me a seasick pill in case the Baltic was rough. It made my mouth very dry and made me feel a bit sleepy, and even more peculiar than usual. I made the trip from Helsinki to Tallinn without leaving the first-class lounge. A decent buffet was available, so I had a spot of salmon and meatballs, and cheese and biscuits, and a beer. All very civilised. Once we were underway, we all popped out onto the deck to have another attempt at the Christmas message. The sea was flat calm. I needn't have taken the seasick pill, and I wish I hadn't bothered. Went back inside and lay down on a sofa for a while and slept a little. Soon we docked in Tallinn and took a minibus into town and checked into what turned out to be a really nice hotel with a fire burning in a high-tech fireplace in reception. Andreas, the promoter, had arranged a larger room for me as I wanted to take the electric piano up to my room to try and fix the main piano sound, which hadn't been at all right during the Helsinki show. The touch response has been basically screwed by whoever had it last. Robert and Pete set it up for me in room 447, while I enthused about the view of old snow-covered Tallinn from my window. After they'd gone, I found a way to factory reset it, which returned it to something resembling the piano that I thought I'd hired. I lay down on the modern four-poster bed and watched BBC World News for a while before going downstairs to do an interview with an interesting chap who seemed to just want to chat about life and the world in general rather than asking any specific questions. Interesting and refreshing. Decided to go out with Pete and Rothers for a spot of dinner in the old town. Old Tallinn is truly medieval, or truly tourist repro medieval maybe a bit of both, and we found a restaurant called The Pepper Sack, where we were shown down to the cellar. I ordered up a cup of cocoa, which was lovely, so I had another. Makes a welcome change from tequila and Red Bull, and some pork fillet. Ian and the crew later arrived, and so everyone except Mark had come out for dinner. After a while, a girl came into the room and began belly dancing about the place. Well, I wasn't expecting that. I think she was a professional. She wasn't just an over-exuberant diner. She seemed to avoid our table. Perhaps she imagined potential trouble. Robert told me he'd seen us playing on a big video screen across town. Great. Hell freezes over and Marillion get a little high-profile exposure. It doesn't happen much anymore. Walked back to the hotel. Just a five-minute walk, but it was well below freezing and the cold was biting my legs through my jeans. Not a night for wandering around town. 
watched a bit more BBC World on the big flat screen at the end of the four-poster and settled down to sleep in the comfiest bed of the tour so far. Very nice. I'm enjoying Tallinn. Sunday, 8th of November. Tallinn, Nokia Concert Hall. The next morning I thought I'd better go and have a look at the gig. There's a grand piano at the venue, and I'd love to play it, but I don't know if there'll be room on stage for the band. Needn't have worried. The Nokia Concert Hall in Tallinn is a fabulous and new concert hall. The stage is huge, and I actually had trouble locating the grand piano in the vastness of the wings. The manager of the venue disappeared and came back with the grand piano, a full concert grand made by Estonia. I played one of these many years ago in the Riga Bay Hotel, where the Russians used to send the cosmonauts for R&R when they came back from space, and it was one of the finest pianos I have ever played, a close second to the fabulous Bursendorfer which used to be in Sam East Studios in Shoreditch. I showed the chaps where to position the piano, and couldn't resist enjoying the instrument for a while during the setup of the equipment. I'm a man of simple tastes, all I've ever wanted was a concert grand, and a yacht big enough to accommodate one, and staff to sail the boat and mix the cocktails. Is it so very much to ask? I spent so much time fiddling around with the piano that I forgot all about our 2pm rendezvous back at the hotel to have yet another go at the Christmas message. When I got back to the hotel, the band were all sitting by the fire, so we thought it might be cool to say Happy Christmas there, then again in the old town, then again in the snow, and edit them all together. Lovely. After that, we headed off to a bookstore in the shopping mall adjoining the theatre, where we were to do a bit of autographing, and I think I answered a few questions for Estonian TV. We then made our way into the theatre for soundcheck. This was quite a protracted affair, owing to the addition of the grand piano position. By the time we'd finished soundcheck, there was only an hour to showtime. I fancied another walk in the old town, so I walked across the park and found a restaurant where I ordered a hot chocolate and was invited to choose a table. I sat in the window. When the waiter came with the hot chocolate, he said, Congratulations, you are our one millionth customer. You get free cake. And he set down a plate with a slice of chocolate cake on it. Nice people, these Estonians. Good-humoured and friendly. Everyone at the hotel had been really friendly too, and nothing seemed to be a problem. I sipped my hot chocolate and watched people wrapped up against the cold evening air, exhaling visible breaths, passing the restaurant, before returning across the park to the gig. Outside the shopping mall I stopped to take a photograph of myself on the video screen. Well, it doesn't happen every day. I had been warned by yesterday's journalist that the Estonian audiences are very restrained and, sure enough, polite applause was to be the order of the day. The people seemed unusually well-dressed for our show and I couldn't help wondering how many of this lot were fans and how many were just casual theatre-goers on the Nokia Concert Hall mailing list up for a night out. Nonetheless, we seemed to go down well. They listened and responded politely. It was all very Japanese. During the second set, I made a short speech about how I came to write Estonia, the chance meeting with Paul Barney, 
and what the song represents to me. I said we'd waited a long time to play the song here, and I found it hard to introduce the song without my voice cracking with emotion. This was the song played at my own father's funeral, and as the song started, I quietly hoped that the people would understand what a big moment this represented to me. I concentrated solely on singing and playing the song as best I could. I think I got it all right, and to my relief, Mark made a beautiful job of the solo. At the end of the song, the crowd didn't particularly go wild. They simply stood up as one, like they might for the national anthem, and clapped respectfully. It was a beautiful reaction. They seemed not to be applauding, but giving thanks with due reverence to the 852 souls who were lost that night in 1994. I'll never forget it. By the end of the second set, the restraint had given way to loud enthusiasm and two encores were vociferously demanded. What a great night in a great auditorium, in what's fast becoming a special city in my heart. Thank you, Talyn. And for the second time this week, we're back. Hey, we're back. Um, and that is a really, really, really lovely section of diary. And it's not to say that the Helsinki one wasn't, um, but that's just a nice, poignant. I mean, for, and for two reasons. Obviously, there's the um, well, there's the fact you went over the water in the first place. Mm. So there's the trip on water in the first place. Is that the easiest way to get across, or did you choose to do that? No, no, it's it's by far the easiest way, or, or you'd have to drive halfway around the world. I think you'd have to go. What's the other way? You'd have to go right down through Sweden, and oh my lord, yeah, yeah, and then and then into Germ into Denmark and into Germany, and God knows what to get to drive round to the Baltic states. So the the cr- the the crossing across the Baltic Sea is is relatively short, really. It's only a a few hours. It's a bit like going between Scotland and Ireland then, I guess. Yeah, I think it is that kind of distance. I could be wrong, but it felt like that kind of distance. And that that frames the the entry and frames the poignancy a little bit, doesn't it? Um, And then obviously you arrive and there's that fantastic piano. Mm. Yeah, well, well that's only the second time I've encountered an Estonia piano and and I don't mean that's a piano from Estonia although it probably is it's a piano called Estonia um the it's the brand of a piano and I'd enthe- I'd probably elsewhere in the diary I'd probably enthused um over the one in the Riga Bay hotel on the mezzanine floor which I discovered when we years earlier when we when we went there and it was just wonderful um every now and again you come across a grand piano it's quite rare where you can actually just play one note and it sings and you just sit back and go oh my god listen to that and the one in the Riga Bay hotel was a bit like that um fantastic and and there in the um, in the Nokia Theatre in Tallinn, 
was another, and it was the only, uh, it was only the second one I'd ever seen. I'll say that again. It was only the second one I've ever seen. Um, I did. I said that because my phone went hello. So now I've got to say it again. And it was only the second one I'd ever seen. And so um, it was lovely to get my hands on another Estonia piano. In fact, we sort of joked back in the when we when we played the Riga Bay Hotel, we we arrived just as the whole communist bloc was falling apart. I think they just printed their own money in Latvia the day before we arrived. Um, so Latvia had just become an independent state and everything was in turmoil. And we did sort of joke to one another that if if we offered a, if we offered the hotel a thousand US dollars for that piano, they'd probably take it. But then, of course, you'd have to get it home, and then you'd have to have a house big enough to put it in, <laughs> which were which were both problems for me. So I'd, yeah, it's I re- taking you a week to accommodate a drum kit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think. I'd get, in fact, you wouldn't get a, you wouldn't get a full concert grand piano through the door of this house or any of the windows. So you would actually have to demolish a wall to put one in, and then there'd be nowhere to put it. Yeah, but hang on a minute. Bob's quite comfortable with that because if something falls down, he just rebuilds it. He does. Yeah, Bob would have sorted that out. But then there'd have been nowhere to live because. Um, the piano would have taken up all the living space. We might have had to knock through a couple of dividing walls as well to get it in. So not an option. But Estonia piano's fabulous. Mm. And you ended up, I'm writing, you ended up playing it on stage. Yeah. Yeah, they they hauled it on and I played it during the concert because it was, um, it was the Less Is More tour. I can't remember which. Uh, yeah, I played Estonia on the Estonia piano, in Estonia, in front of the the Estonians. It was it was a really um, precious, precious moment, that. Hmm. And the reaction, the reaction to the gig, because you said everybody came well-dressed, mm. and, and, and it was a little bit a little bit formal, would that be? That's yeah, kind of I took from I yeah it wasn't very rock and roll. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of fans in there. But there were also a lot of people in suits and ladies in, you know, very finely dressed. So I, I don't think it was the regular. Well, it wasn't completely the regular rock crowd. Um, I think there must have been a lot of people on the theatre mailing list or whatever um, who would just go there as a matter of course on a Saturday night to see what was on, perhaps. Um, so that lent the that lent the audience a feeling of of I mean it was it felt like a state occasion almost, and when when we played Estonia, um, you know there wasn't that rock and roll bah reaction. There was just the entire place uh, rose to its feet, head head bowed and 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 clapped quietly. Um, you know, respectfully um, as an acknowledgement of this song, but also as an acknowledgement of of, of those who'd been lost, because it was a national disaster uh, in Estonia, just as it was a national disaster in Sweden. 
so many Estonians and Swedes were lost. Um, 850 in total uh, perished that, that night. Um, and so the reaction was 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 respectful, a little bit somber, and so emotional. Um, fantastic, you know. I, I, one of those one of those moments in my life that I'll uh, I'll t- you know I'll fl- flash before me at the end. I think. Well, I think we should leave it there. Quick reminder, if you're purple, don't switch off after the end of the croon and the credits. Mm. But for everybody else, uh, wish you a great week. And if you're coming to Oxford, we'll see you on Friday. Hurrah! Except it's Saturday, isn't it? What am I saying Friday? Don't come on Friday. No, we won't see you on Friday. We won't be there. We'll be there on Saturday. Just come Saturday. Don't come early. Might be cold. (laughs) Bye. Thank you, Tim Speakerman. Do you ski or play the organ out of tune? Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>